Welcome to Shotgun Story, the podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music, meaning, and the point of it all, so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves, and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating. Hooray! Hello! Hi, Tori. How are you doing? Good. And you? I'm so glad we managed to do this. Yes, of course. Me too, actually. Gosh, it's been years. Yes. In fact, <laughs> in fact, it was in 2014 that we both took part in that Laura Burns songbird. Oh my God. It was 2014. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Time flies, eh? It sure does. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to be here. I'm going to start here. Okay. With you, Lana Krauster, singer-songwriter, creative, musical entrepreneur. Yes, ma'am. I'm so excited to hear what you're doing, but I want to start right at the beginning. Okay. And I want to find out, why did you choose music? What sparked your love of it? Oh my gosh, long story, and it's going to sound a little bit cheesy, but music actually chose me. (laughs) I mean, I was a kid and I grew up in a household that was very, like my parents were very obsessed with music. Every day the radio would be on. Every weekend there would be parties. Sometimes they'd do like karaoke parties, you know. So I was always surrounded by music as a kid. Joined choirs from when I was like six, seven years old. The whole nine. I was very involved in music as a kid. When I was 14, I joined a youth band called the Baha Music Collective. And the manager of that band was like, you know, you could do this for a living. And I was like, what? People are going to pay me to do this thing that I love and enjoy. Because literally, I just love singing and dancing and jumping around. I've just always felt at home and my most self on stage or performing for people. So that was kind of the point when I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to pursue this thing. But before that, it was just fun. And I was always surrounded by it. That's like my earliest memories of music. So wonderful. So this gentleman told you that you could do this for a living. Yes. And how did you do that? What were the next steps? Well, next steps was trying to figure out how I'm going to do this thing that's not really seen as a profession Mm -hmm. to my parents and their generation (laughs) while simultaneously like telling them like, hey, guys, it's chill. I'll make this work. So the next step beyond, you know, all the youth bands and things that I was doing as a teenager was, cool, I'm going to go study music at UCT. And they were down for that because, you know, parents love a kid with a degree. (laughs) (laughs) parents love a kid with a degree it's like they can be like okay cool she's gonna be fine she's got a degree whatever and I think they always thought that I was gonna be a teacher but I was like "Mm, there's more to do in this world so I studied music at UCT I did my postgrad there as well while I was studying I was just performing with everybody that I possibly could I started doing backing vocals for a lot of different people and then yeah it's kind of just like snowballed since then I've just been doing more interesting things and writing and recording and applying for funding to do more projects and really just pushing it and starting different projects. Like I started the Lady Day Big Band, South Africa's first all-woman big band. Amazing. Yeah. And there's just like a lot of those kinds of things and a lot of social outreach as it relates to music that I've been doing over the years. So yeah, it's literally been like a snowball effect. Once I decided that this was it for me, that was it. (laughs) Oh, that's so wonderful. And I mean, you've done some really exciting things. But for someone who doesn't know you and your music, what yeah. three to five highlights 
of your career in music? I mean, I'd have to say at least for you, maybe five to ten. Oh my gosh, there's so many. (laughs) (laughs) There's been so many. I've been very lucky, but I've also worked my ass off. So, (laughs) gosh, I don't know. Like, I think definitely like the biggest one for me is being able to travel. You know, that amazing feeling when somebody books you and they're like, cool, come to Scotland to sing or come to Mm. Malawi to sing or come to... Barbados to sing at my birthday or whatever like the opportunities to travel has been incredible like the people that I've met on those travels as the times when I get to travel because of music number one highlight across the board so that's definitely number one I'd say number two is enabling myself to release my own music independently yeah that shit's not easy That shit is not easy. You know, lots of fundraising, lots of saving, lots of cutting back, lots of doing things in order to make a dream a reality. Mm. That's the number two highlight I must say about my career because there's a lot of things that I work my ass off for, which a lot of people would assume that it just gets handed to you when you decide to be a singer or a recording artist. But unfortunately, that's not the case, especially in our country. And in our industry, we'll get to that another time. (laughs) I think also being able to mentor women musicians and girl musicians, you know, just being an example of what is possible if you stick to your guns and pursue your dreams. Because I remember as a young colored girl, I didn't really have a lot of people doing this thing who looked like me, you know. It was like Mm -hmm. Vicky Sampson and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's like, being able to be a representative for my hood and where I come from and my culture and be like, hey, man, just work hard. And, you know, if this is what you want, you can get it. Like, just work. So that's three. (laughs) (laughs) The other two. Wow. Probably meeting, like, famous people. Yeah. People you look up to. Like, I grew up listening to George Benson. For those of you who don't know, he's a legendary jazz vocalist and guitarist. Grew up on his music and then I got to sing backing vocals for him in 2010 at the Cape Town International Jazz Festival. That was amazing. And then like the same thing with someone like Josh Groban, who I wasn't really a fan of, but I got the gig to be his backing vocalist on his last tour year. And he's such a cool dude. Like I would hang with him any day. So like stuff like that, you know, meeting Lisa Kakaula, who used to do some stuff with Basement Jacks, one of like the original funk singers. With that whole, you know, Basement Jacks period of music, meeting her and getting to sing with her. Just like, there's just a lot of shit that I was able to do. (laughs) It's all just like those moments where I have to like take a minute and be like, is this my goddamn life right now? This is amazing. Wow. I mean, there's so so many. Gosh, I'm talking so much. That's what I want. I want you to talk all the time. I'm going to keep quiet as much as possible. But I want to find out also, weren't you on a TV show? I mean, I would mention the name, but I don't know the name. I was on The Bachelorette South Africa and I actually met my husband. I'm joking. <laughs> that is not it. <laughs> no, no, no. For a moment there, I was like, oh my gosh. I really did not know this. I know. That would make my mom proud if that was if that was a true story. <laughs> now I was on uh, season one of The Voice South Africa in, I think that was like 2016. Yeah. And now the gigs, your backup stuff that you are doing, did it follow that or did it come before? No, it all came before. Like I was in the industry as a professional for about 14, 15 years 
at that point. And then the voice came along. And what a lot of people don't know, like the voice is not like idols where you just show up and there's open auditions for everyone. They mm -hmm. actually ask industry professionals to put people forward for the voice. Yeah. So like obviously higher caliber of singers, lots of professional singers that get put forward and people like myself who are session singers and backing vocalists. So I was put forward by like three or four people and I wasn't going to do it. I was like, this, I've got so much going on right now. Psh, I don't mm -hmm. need this. <laughs> I don't believe in reality TV shows, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> and then I went just for the experience and also just to learn what television looks like from, you know, behind the screens and what happens behind the scenes and everything. And yeah, it was an incredible experience. But definitely the most annoying thing about it is that people think that that's when my career started. <laughs> and it's like, no, girl. Mm -mm. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful, actually. I'm so pleased that it started before that. Yes, absolutely, girl. I mean, you were part <laughs> of the start. Like, I mean, I knew you before that. Exactly. Yeah, when I met you guys, when we did that tour with Laura in 2014, at that point I was in the game for 10 years already. Amazing. So yeah, I had been a professional for 10 years and that's why it was so easy for me to like, you know, mentor the girls and do whatever you guys needed me to do. I mean, I, th I think we had like one rehearsal before the actual show every time. Yeah, that was exactly. Those kinds of skills you don't just get, you know, sitting around looking pretty. <laughs> Talk a little bit about your international travel. I mean, that's beautiful. Being invited somewhere to play at somebody's birthday party internationally. Oh, it's been amazing. So one of the my favorite travel stories was I was approached by someone who used to be my student, actually. His name is Silas and he's from Kenya. And he said he's doing this soundtrack with this guy from Scotland for this documentary about trans people in Kenya, like this group mm -hmm. of trans people in Kenya. And it was a beautiful documentary called Sydney and Friends. He was like, I'm singing on the thing, but we need a female voice. Would you be keen? And I was like, hells yeah. Love <laughs> the project. Love that there's a documentary about these kinds of things. You know, as an ally, this is my jam. So yeah. we recorded the soundtrack and it was all beautiful, like ethereal soundscapes. And it was just something that I hadn't done before, but I was so keen to do it. And then like, Six months later, the documentary is almost done and the guy calls us up and is like, do you want to come to Scotland for the release? And we're like, oh, yes, please. And he's like, oh, and also we need you guys to perform. And I was like, uh, yes, please. So that was amazing. That was the first time as a lead singer, I'd say, that I was flown out to do something. And it was yeah. incredible. It was incredible. Before that, it had been like every time I do a backing vocal gig with like Arnold Costens or Karen Zoid or Toya Lazy or whoever, we get flown to where we need to be. But that yeah. was like the first time it was like, Lana Croster, come <laughs> over, girl. <laughs> yes. So exciting. So exciting. So exciting. What about your ultimate why? What drives you to create? My ultimate why? That's deep. I'm so glad we're doing this after lockdown last year because <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't know why, but my ultimate why is honestly, I want to make the, this is such a Miss World answer, but I want to leave the world better than it was when I arrived. I feel like kindness is so underrated and also just as a person, kindness is like my number one thing. And I feel like there's so many of us who want to give kindness but haven't experienced it in a sincere way especially in our industry where everybody's you know trying to one up the other or get somewhere by using someone and I think there's so much kindness lacking in the world 
Yeah. And that's why I am the way I am. But in terms of music, why music? I don't know. It's just being a creative, writing mm-hmm. songs, designing clothing, designing pictures or my artwork or whatever. Just being creative makes me so, so, so happy. Yeah. I feel like, especially since this whole COVID thing and, and lockdown, a lot of us have had to revalue our shit. Yeah. And I revalued my shit because I was a I was a hustling Tory. I'm sure you understand this. Like every time it's like, cool, there's a gig. Okay, cool, I've got to work for the next one. Cool, yeah. da, 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 whatever. And there's admin and all these other things. But I am in my happy place when I'm being creative. So whatever that output is, whether it be writing songs, creating something beautiful, whatever it may be, that's me coming back to my inner kid and just being happy. You know, yeah. so yeah, that's my ultimate why. I just want to be happy. <laughs> oh, I love it. You are speaking my language, Yay. particularly when you talk of kindness. And you do a lot of outreach work. Yeah. Tell me about that. What are you involved in at the moment? So the last big project that I did was with my all-woman big band, the Lady Day Big Band. And so let me backtrack a little But The whole reason why I started that was because... I'm sure you remember 2018, there was the whole Me Too movement in the headlines and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I got together with some of my musician friends and we were discussing our Me Too Mm -hmm. experiences. And it was just so scary to know that so many professional women are stopped essentially from living their full potential as musicians because of the fear that they have. Mm -hmm. Um, of being harassed or abused or whatever by fellow musicians. Mm. I'm just somebody that I can't just sit by and watch things happen. So I got really pissed and huffy and puffy and I mailed a whole bunch of women and I was like, hey, I'm starting this all-woman big band. We're going to be 20 women strong. The whole point is for us to be in a safe space and play music and just be, but also just talk about and share our stories so that we know that we're not alone when we step into these spaces with men or where you're the Mm -hmm. only woman in a band full of men or whatever. And then when I eventually got it all together, I realized what I want to do is I want to make it a legacy project. I want to be able to have young girls who want to play the bass or want to play the guitar or, you know, all these instruments that they're dissuaded from playing. Yeah, I want them to see us playing these things and doing these things and be like, yeah, I'm going to stick to my instrument because I love it. Work their way up and then eventually, you know, come and audition for the band. So it needs to have like a revolving door of musicians coming through all the time. So started the band, got everything together. And the second phase was making sure that we could go out to schools and go play for these kids for free, but also to normalize the idea of the woman musician. So you're educating audiences at a young age, you're educating young girls at at a certain age saying, hey, man, you can do this thing. Look at us. We are old ladies. We can do this. So you guys can do it too. (laughs) And then, oh, I was so annoyed because COVID happened just as we were going to start our schools tour. And we kind of had to pivot and do like free workshops online and stuff, which we still did. But the most impact comes from that one-on-one and that face-to-face, you know. So... In the meantime, I am still offering like one-on-one consultations and chatting to kids wherever I can. But the minute all of this is cleared up and we're all ready to go, I'm looking forward to just putting out more of those kinds of workshop things and and going into communities and just inspiring the girls specifically to pursue their dreams. And also just, you know, letting the boys know that this isn't a weird thing. 
you might not be used to it, but yes, girls can play the bass and girls can play the trombone and whatever else they want to play, and it's fine. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much the kind of work I've been doing in the past few years. Oh, I absolutely love it. I can't <laughs> wait to go and listen now. Um, let's talk about your songwriting process. Oh. Tell me, what do you do? How does it work? So something happens and I don't deal with it in the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I let it bottle up. <laughs> oh, that's my puppy. <laughs> and then I hear a beat or I'm sitting in front of the piano and I'm just playing some chords and stuff. And a melody will come and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I want to write a song about this. Or I want to write a song about that. Sometimes it's deadline based. So like I once had four hours to write a song and I did it, which was amazing. Yeah. But a lot of the time, my process is just sitting down and being vulnerable and telling myself that it's okay to say the things that I want to say or say the things that I haven't had the confidence or the guts to say. Mm-hmm. And then I put it in a song. And through that, it's like it's like therapy. I learn to say those yeah. things because I can sing about it. And then it works backwards like that for me. So, yeah. <laughs> and now, as someone who has studied music... Uh-oh. When you write your music, do you do like the music notes and write all the little quarter notes and notes and the timing and all of that stuff when you're writing? No, that only comes later. So if I have to play with a band, mm-hmm. then I make sure I give them sheet music and the chords and everything's on me. If they need to know the melodies, I'll write that out. But for the most part, it's just me and a piano or myself and a beat and my little recorder on my phone. Yeah. And I'm just there, like, plotting chords and stuff. But it's nothing sexy and academic. Just yeah. it, down. it really is all a feel thing and whatever's easiest, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's so relieving. I didn't study music. Yeah. And so now I'm trying to teach myself music theory. I'm sitting there on Skillshare trying to learn the very basics for those reasons of having to transcribe it for a band. Always a good tool to have. So, But I, you know what I always say to people? If you study music, there's one th- aspect that you get. But what you get at a music school, it's so easy to get that online. So, so mm-hmm. easy. So if you feel like you want to learn, you have access to all the things. My ass only went to UCT to like ease my parents' concerns. <laughs> <laughs> and then I happened to learn some dope shit along the way. So like, it's amazing <laughs> that you're learning to do it because honestly, to have it in your arsenal as a songwriter and as a singer, to just be able to like put your thoughts into paper and, and, mm-hmm. and pass it on to your band or whoever, it's amazing. And also then there's less room for them to fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) So now, what are some of the biggest challenges? And let's talk COVID actually for Mm, a moment. What are some of the biggest challenges that you are seeing musicians today facing? Oh, man, just holding on to their houses, Mm. holding on to their assets, because there's a lot of people who, you know, they are the ones that make lots and lots and lots of money doing this thing. But then they are the ones that just, you know, get restaurants and have a little gig here and a little gig there, whatever. And that's how they've managed to make their way. But seeing people literally losing their assets and not being able to feed themselves or their families or provide, Mm. it's been the most heartbreaking thing, especially like my peers and mentors, people who I've looked up to. It's been incredibly heartbreaking. And then on top of that, to know that as an artist, you're not supported by your government. Our music and arts is the most amazing export that we have. Yeah. Look at someone like Trevor Noah, comedian. That's in the arts. He's doing so well. Someone like Priti Yende. The list goes on of South Africans that are doing amazing things in the arts overseas. But once again, 
our government has proven that, you know, they don't give a shit about artists. So it's been really, really heartbreaking to realize that, but also just yeah. to see on the ground level what's been happening and things that my colleagues have been working for years to attain. It was all supposed to happen in 2020. And then just like that, overnight, all the hard work means fuck all. Yeah. Those kinds of things have been extremely heartbreaking. Me personally, I lost the plot last year. I did not do well at all. Mm. Um, I laugh about it now because, you know, lots of therapy since. But yeah, yeah 2020 was supposed to be the year I released my album and my big band project was going to release an album. And we had all these incredible gigs and opportunities lined up. And just like that, it all went to shit. And for a while, I tried to keep it together by making sure that everybody around me was fine. But then when it came down to like, am I okay? I wasn't. And I just deep, dark hole of depression. And it was terrible. I I don't know about you, but I definitely had the, you know, I should probably pivot to another career mm. um, discussion with myself. You yeah. know, it's like, what else can I do? What else should I do? Is Maybe there's something else I can do, blah, blah, blah. But And then a couple of weeks ago, I got some funding from Concerts SA and I did some gigs. And I was so nervous that I didn't know how to do this anymore. And the yeah. minute I got on stage, I was like, Yep, <laughs> this this is my shit. This is what the fuck I'm supposed to do. And it all just came back and I was like, okay, I'm going to keep fighting because clearly this is who I am. Yeah. But there was a while there I was like, listen, I'm probably going to become an accountant or an assassin, <laughs> you know, whichever one is easier. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I did start watching a lot of true crime last year also, so... <laughs> <laughs> I love your description of that getting back on stage because yeah. that is exactly after the doubt when you stand up there it's almost like a wave of relief of being home yeah you know then you know this is what you're here for that's a hundred percent what it was I had never in my life been nervous to step on a stage but that night I was freaking out and when I got up and I sang the first song and people were clapping and I started talking shit because I love talking shit on stage. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, damn, I've still got it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> you made me feel all weepy because it's truth. Oh. Truth makes me weepy. Have you had any like performances since? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been like you. Sadly, obviously, the South African Songwriters Festival was canceled. Oh. You know, to keep everybody safe, but it is it's so disappointing. Hmm. Things that people, their hearts and their passions and their everything go into and then oh it's so disappointing but yeah. it is love and it's good to keep people safe and that's what we've <laughs> got to do right now yeah and absolutely focus. absolutely and what is making music look like for you at the moment now that we're in another fairly hard lockdown yeah well what I've been latching onto the past couple of months is something that I should have been doing all along mm. but you know when you're on the hustle you've got so much going on um I've been applying for funding like crazy. Yeah, good. Just so that I can continue being creative. And that's the really cool thing about it. Yeah, later this month, I'm going into studio and recording some more music at Milestone Studios in Cape Town, which is really cool. And mm -hmm. the reason how it's happening is that places like Milestone, you know, the studios and stuff like that, they're not making any money either. But they yeah. want to keep putting stuff out so they're inviting artists to come and do stuff and I applied to milestones and I was like hey this is the concept blah 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 and they were like cool come and I'm like yay oh. and then I applied for funding and I was like yeah I can pay my band that's so nice yeah so for me it's like to be able to still write and just like put 
creative stuff out. I mean, I will probably won't release it anytime soon because I've just released an album. But just to know that I have this thing to look forward to and it's a creative thing. So that's cool. And the cool thing about Milestone is you can be socially distanced and still do your thing and feel safe about it. So uh, amazing! it's going to be really fun. I actually need to write some more songs, but yeah, I'm excited about that. How's your process? I mean, I absolutely want to know like what's going on with you in terms of creating and stuff. I mean, I started a little buy me a coffee thing in the vein of Amanda Palmer, $2 a month to be a part of this thing. And I am learning to record myself. So oh, I've got a little mic and interface and I'm writing a lot. And so I'm figuring out how to record it and releasing weekly these <gasps> demos of tracks that I'm writing that are not perfect, but so lovely. Yay! And it's what's so nice about it is that it's become an accountability partner. Mm. So I release something once a week, means I have to write a new track every week. So what I found is that I am in learning the music theory. Every time I learn something new, I'm inspired to make something in a different vein of what I usually do. Yeah. And so I'm making these little things until I can actually afford to go back into a studio and record them and release them professionally. Yeah. But it's exciting. It feels like building a community of people who really care mm. at the same time as making new music, learning to record, learning some of my own little sound engineering stuff because I've never known that. It's crazy. I've been in this industry for decades and there's yeah. so much that I've just – left to the sound guy and it's a perfect opportunity now to figure it out myself yeah it's quite exciting that upskilling yes it's incredible that's so fun i'm so excited <laughs> for you. are you doing it like on a patreon platform so it's called buymeacoffee.com amazing it's very similar yeah it's similar to patreon it's wonderful i'll check it out yeah we all need an accountability buddy when it comes to writing <laughs> oh my gosh we do in fact, it brings me to your crowdfunding that you are doing at the moment. Oh my God, yes. That's so exciting. Okay, talk to us about it. <laughs> so talking about upskilling, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I love how we're segueing so beautifully. This is amazing. <laughs> it's not planned, listeners. This is just how cool we are. Yeah, so 2019, I had this, well, it's been like years coming, but I've always had an interest in music business as an independent artist. I've basically just been like figuring my way through the South African music industry and making things work for myself. And then eventually people started messaging me and requesting that I do workshops on this and, you know, speak at like universities and colleges and stuff. And I was like, but I'm not like super duper famous. I'm still figuring this out. I haven't cracked it yet, but okay, I'll share what I can. And then my wanting to know more about it just grew and grew and grew over time, especially with subscription services coming up and the, the way technology has infiltrated music and how the two go hand in hand and all of these things. And also knowing that like the South African music industry is unregulated, there's no real structure, there's no real infrastructure, all of those kinds of things. I just had this growing need to want to know how things are supposed to work. Mm. And then I had been looking for schools that do music business courses or like postgraduate degrees in music business. And I found Berkeley and New York University. Those are like the top two that do masters in music business courses. Did lots of research, blah, blah, blah. Ended up going to New York in 2018. And I was like, 
this is it. This is my home. I love it here. <laughs> New York University it is. And then I applied. Mm-hmm. I got in. That was 2019. And then I had like six months, two days money to get there. It obviously didn't work because, you know, the ran to dollar situation. Yeah. I deferred and they kept my place. And then COVID happened. And because of that, some of the scholarships that I had secured fell through, which was really shitty. Mm. Yeah. And luckily, NYU gave the option to defer again. But it's the last deferral I have. So I have to show up in September. And yeah, I've literally just been applying for scholarships, approaching people for sponsorship in addition to having the crowdfunding going because it's a lot of it's a lot of money and it, the sucky thing is like of all the scholarships that are, are available to me you know there aren't many that are available to arts and postgraduate arts and also because music business falls like between music and between business it's not really yeah. recognized as a thing so it's been really tough really really tough to raise the money but i'm determined tori i am determined And I've got my crowdfunding going on, which I'll be pushing. I'm still going to be doing some uh, fundraising concerts and a whole bunch of things. Selling my kidney, like a whole bunch of things. (laughs) (laughs) Just a whole bunch of things. Now more than ever, it's so important because the whole point is I want to go and do this thing and come back and like share this knowledge with my peers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like there's no reason why we should be struggling the way we are. We should all have been doing things as if we are a business already and making sure that we know how to run these things and be ahead of the curve in terms of all kinds of new trends that are coming into music. There's no reason why we should be left behind and be mm. dealing with things that we're dealing with right now. So I really want to go do this thing and get this degree and come back and just like help change people's lives, man, and make sure that everybody can be successful in music but also have longevity and look after themselves and their families Amazing. Give us the link, the crowdfunding link. Oh my gosh. So it's backabuddy.co.za forward slash Lana Krauster. So that's L-A-N-A-C-R-O-W-S-T-E-R. Amazing. We're out here trying to upskill, Tori, so that we can just like help ourselves and help other people. I absolutely love that. <laughs> and as we run down to the end, I just want to know, uh-huh. is there a song in existence that you wish that you had written? <sighs> Yes. Oh, my God. Juice by Lizzo. Mm. It's just so feisty and so confident. And she serves you the best vocal. And it's such simple production, but it just gets you up and dancing. I would love to be able to write something that joyful. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's like the female version of Happy, you know, Pharrell Williams. Because yeah. I'm happy. Like, it ain't my fault that I'm not you getting loose. I'm the pudding and the proof. Gotta blend it on my juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Oh, I love it. I love it and I love your voice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Someone you haven't worked with that you still want to. A wish list collaboration. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, Lizzo, number one. Rihanna. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then there's this incredible singer from Cape Town. Her name is Candace Thornton. She's got the most incredible voice. She's like a tenor, but like, you know, that beautiful, soulful, you know, Malva pudding with the custard on it. Like she's <laughs> just got, she's got this incredible voice. And I'm just like, I need to write a song for us because I want to sing with you. Yeah. There's just like a lot of incredibly dynamic female hip hop, R&B. Oh, Jasmine Sullivan. But I just want to sit and sing backing vocals for her because... Mm-hmm. She's incredible. 
there's a long list. There's a long list. Bruno Mars, so that I can write a up-tempo pop song. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful choices. Yeah, I mean, you've had a a long and prolific career, and I'm so excited to see where you go next. Thank you. But in the interim, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give indie artists to keep them making music when things feel really tough? Oof. Don't do it. Go study accounting. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> if that hasn't worked, I'd say just like stay true to who you are. Be open to constructive criticism. Be open to learning more. Knowledge is power. You never stop learning as a musician. And learn how to listen to that inner voice. Like from day one, trust that inner voice. People will come and try and mess with your head as much as possible. But if you trust in your product and you believe in that inner voice, you're on the right track. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. And socials, so people can get in touch or support you or listen. Lots of socials coming up right now. So Facebook, there's the Lana Krauster Facebook page. Instagram and Twitter is at Lana Krauster. My album Subconscious is available on bandcamp.com. Just search for Lana Krauster. Obviously, I'm on all the Spotify's and all the streaming platforms. So definitely listen, but preferably buy. <laughs> Be your why. Bye. And yeah, if, if you want to stay posted on everything that I'm doing, my website is www.nanacrowster.com. Thank you. I feel really inspired after talking to you. Yay, me too, Tori. It's so nice to catch up with you again. Gosh. It is so nice. <laughs> and stay healthy and good luck with the Backer Buddy campaign. Thank you. And you stay healthy too. Look after yourself, babe. If you are an indie artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on Instagram at ShotgunTory. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts. Smiling sweetly, stand up first to greet me. Isn't she lovely? I see it clearly. And she could be me How sweet the fantasy In another life You will do what's right Putting up a fight for what you believe in But until that day You will forge your way Masquerade and stay around To believe in Won't justify that life Cause I know Fake hearts won't find the kind of love
Release from the stress, but we can't get your break with all this, all this fakeness. Fake, fake, fake. 